Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Fantasy Sports Today is back on the air. Lots of news and notes to get to today. We start our positional previews as well as Fantasy Sports Today on this Tuesday starts now. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Good morning. Welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish, Frank Stample here on this Tuesday, February 18, 2020. Great to be with you here on the show. Chris Bavoda is producing. we got a lot to get to here today. Lots of news and notes. A little bit of a first-base preview. We'll also have our Florida Man segment. And, uh, Frank, looking forward to getting it going. And, yeah, this time of the year, lots of injuries, lots of concerns. I'm in the middle of a fantasy draft right now, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough to navigate around, and it looks like we have some news here at the top of the show with some injuries again today. Yeah, what's going on, Craig? Happy to be here, reunited, and it feels so good starting off with our position previews here at first base. Excited to do so, but you're right, we've got some news to address here. I'm sure there's going to be things coming out every day throughout the course of spring training. Uh, we got games later on this week, Friday and Saturday as well, so looking forward to that. Uh, how was uh, Marlins spring training yesterday? How, were, how did everything go? How did everything work out uh, with the Marlins there, Craig? Yeah, good. I mean, it's it's coming down to the games. You're right. We got a few days left, and then we'll actually have some game action, and that's when we'll really get some some real data, real info, real news. I mean, Jonathan VR playing center field was kind of the the story there, but the Marlins don't have any injuries across the way. The St. Louis Cardinals, Frank, look like they're going to be starting off with an injury at the very least. I don't know how far Miles Michaelis falls on your draft board at this point. Uh, I mean, I suppose if you're in an NFBC league and there's a 40-second round, you could throw a dart there. My gosh, this does not look like good news. Going to be out with an injection three to four weeks. His opening day is done. His April is probably done as well. Um, I mean, I hate to say you won't draft a guy, Frank, but I think I'm in that situation with him even more than I am with Clevenger. Maybe. Yeah, and in the month of February, Miles Mikolas was going at pick 232, so people were still relying on this guy as a you know back end of your rotation piece for fantasy baseball. And I spoke about this with Greg yesterday on the Fantasy BFS. There is a role for Miles Mikolas uh, as well from a fantasy perspective. He doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, but solid whip pitcher, good command as well. You know he's going to give you innings, or at least you thought he was going to give you innings. That's what you were drafting him for. Uh, and now, obviously, that is in doubt. So we'll see who enters uh, the rotation here for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I'll be interested to see if Daniel Ponce de Leon gets another opportunity here in the rotation. And you know, Craig, just kind of scrolling up and down this entire St. Louis Cardinals team, not very impressed. Just not very impressed. Looking at this roster resource page, lineup is meh, seems subpar. Rotation, even with Mikolas in it, 
didn't really look great to me. They're relying on Adam Wainwright to do a little bit of what he did last year in the second half as well again this upcoming year. I mean, I, you like Jack Flaherty from a fantasy perspective, but you know, outside of that, rotation, a lot of question marks there. Lineup is not great either. I have some, I have some real doubt when it comes to the St. Louis Cardinals this upcoming season, Craig. Yeah, uh, look, they, they did not really upgrade anywhere, and they're counting on uh, Matt Carpenter, who had a down year last year, to rebound. And certainly, you know, if he does and gets even close to back to where he was two years ago, that would be a good sign. There's also no doubt that Cabal Goldschmidt struggled down the stretch, so that would be a good sign as well. They're counting on a lot of rebound players, and it certainly could happen. They also have some young players in Gorman. Uh, and Carlson may be in the middle of the season as well. Uh, Aaron Judge, news on him this morning. Hate to start off with another downer, but Aaron Judge looks like Frank's going to be managed a little bit, and so certainly you got to sound the alarm a little bit on him too. I'm, I'm guessing from a fantasy perspective, uh, you, you get this news now. If you haven't drafted, you kind of wait this thing out to see what happens. It could be more of a management thing. It could be uh, you know an injury from last year that's reappeared. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens with Aaron Judge here throughout spring training, uh, getting maintenance done on his right shoulder. If you remember back in 2017, he had surgery on his left shoulder, and of course last year ended up missing 50 games due to an oblique injury as well. Uh, I'm not sure about you, Craig, but Aaron Judge was someone that really wasn't on my radar this upcoming season from a fantasy perspective. Still going in that second, third round range. He helps in OBP leagues. He's probably better off in points leagues as well uh, because of that plate discipline and his ability to walk and get on base, and there's just going to be a ton of volume in that Yankees lineup, but uh, I do have serious doubt when it comes to his ability to stay healthy, especially guys that have suffered these core injuries, these oblique type injuries, and now he's dealing with the shoulder as well. We don't know the extent of it. I mean, this might just be overblown right now, but Aaron Judge was somebody who wasn't really on my radar based on where he was going early in drafts anyway, Craig. Yeah, and that's, that's, you know, that's part of it is that you have to kind of buy in and decide as to which players you want and which players you're going to endorse for the season. Um, you know, Judge is one of those guys that it looked like was 100% healthy. Now you hear he's not. And for those of you who are drafting now, I think you have to pause a little bit. But the good news is that draft season for a lot of people doesn't kick in until a month from now. So you'll see how spring training games go. But definitely a little bit of a pause now. You never want to hear that. A couple of other signings around the league from a fantasy perspective. Don't know that they are anything except for... Uh, late round guys, draft and holds, 15 teamers at best. Brock Holt, once upon a time, was fantasy relevant, Frank. I don't see it this year, but he is with the Brewers. The Brewers certainly leave a lot to be desired for what they did in the infield. I mean, think about, we've talked about this a ton. Think about where they were at the start of last year till now. First base, different. Third base, different. Second base, different. I mean, Holt and NL only, I suppose, is worth a buck or two. He's probably going to play all over the diamond, but you know, certainly his, his fantasy value is limited, I think, to that. Yeah, absolutely. And we see a lot of players in this role nowadays in baseball and for fantasy purposes, playing that super utility role. He can bounce around the infield. He could, he could potentially be using the outfield, although they have a bit of a log jam there already as well. Uh, they have Eric Sogard. Uh, potentially as the starting third baseman on opening day, according to Roster Resource right now with the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, it seems like he'll be a placeholder until Luis Urias is good to go. They made that trade in the offseason with the San Diego Padres. They traded away Trent Grisham. They ended up getting Luis Urias. Seems like the Padres kind of gave up on Urias a little bit too quickly. He was once regarded as you know one of the top ten prospects in all of baseball. He has struggled at the major league level thus far, but we've, we've seen a lot of prospects really struggle in their first run uh, in the majors. So he's someone that I actually am looking at in these deeper leagues and these draft and hold formats. Uh, Luis Urias, someone who I 
believe still does have upside, comes with that prospect pedigree. Uh, we're just waiting for him to return from that hamate bone injury. Maybe you get him mid to late April this upcoming season, Craig. Yeah, um, and, and you know that's that's kind of part of it is that fi- trying to find the playing time is definitely the key. More of an NL only guy, no doubt. Uh, I'm playing in a two catcher league. We can talk about the 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 merits of that. But Jonathan Lucroy looks like he's going to sign with the Boston Red Sox five years ago. This was a great conversation to have, Frank. Uh, here in 2020, it's more of a conversation of uh, if he's your second catcher in a league, you could take a shot. I mean, once upon a time, this guy was a top five catcher in fantasy, man. Maybe even top three, but. You know, certainly his career has, has gone south the other way, but maybe there's a little bit of a rebound in store. Yeah, he was great with the Milwaukee Brewers years ago. Hasn't really been able to put it together. Uh, had an opportunity with the Oakland A's. Had an opportunity with the Angels last year. I know he had neck surgery in the offseason, so we'll see how healthy he is. It seems like he's going to be the backup catcher, most likely, to Christian Vasquez. Now, Christian Vasquez is an interesting name here, Craig. I know we're doing our first base preview today, not our catcher preview. We'll probably get to catch her you know, later on uh, next week. But Christian Vasquez is an interesting name who really broke out last year. Uh, and now we're kind of left trying to figure out whether or not that was juice ball related. He hit 23 home runs last year. Uh, and before last year, he had 10 home runs total in 999 plate appearances in all of his other major league actions. So uh, Christian Vasquez, I think, is a really interesting name that people are trying to figure out for this upcoming season in 2020, Craig. Yeah, and, and um, you know, the catching position, Frank, in general, and you mentioned we'll have a, a catching preview coming up soon. You know, we had this, we have this, le- this league, this draft and hold league that's going on, and um, we have labor coming up next weekend, so I'll be in Tampa for that, or in, in Clearwater. And we had a vote on two catchers or one, and by a majority, they voted for two catchers. I voted for one. Oh, well, what are you, a one-catcher guy, two-catcher guy? Well, in the head-to-head points leagues I've always played in, those are always one-catcher formats. I think two catchers is really just a roto kind of traditionalist thing when it comes to fantasy baseball. And so many people are you know, used to playing that type format, the classic roto, five-by-five, five outfielders, two catchers. And I think you know, people are, are creatures of habit, and, and sometimes they don't want to change. And I've seen you know, uh, fantasy enthusiasts on Twitter arguing about this as well, that you know, if you go to one catcher, then it lessens the position. Uh, and then there's so much better players on the waiver wire. Like, well, yeah, isn't that the point? We don't play with two tight ends in fantasy football. Why would we play with two catchers? You don't play with two catchers in a, in a major league baseball game. I understand that fantasy is not, you know, a, a direct correlation of real life baseball. But uh, yeah, using two catchers kind of seems like an outdated process. Something that we just do because we've always done it, at least from a roto perspective here, Craig. Yeah, I would like to change that if you wouldn't mind. But um, for our leagues, we'll play with one. For the leagues that we have to, we'll play with two. And then your argument was exactly the argument they made. Well, we always do that. I'm like, well, what do you mean? Well, why can't we change? Why can't we change with the times? I don't want to play in a league where I have a complete dead spot and it's not my fault. Oh, it creates more strategy. Well, if Major League Baseball teams aren't playing catchers full-time, why should we in fantasy? Why don't we just mirror the game? That's the way that I like it. But... Lost that vote. On to the next. Coming up, it is three up, three down right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Of course, we have Florida Man coming up as well. Plenty to get to here on the show. Frank Stanfield, Craig Mish, we're off and running on this Tuesday. Don't go away. We will be right back. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. 
We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. up must come down three up three down what does three up and three down mean to you airman end of an inning welcome back fantasy sports today craig and frank with you and good morning thanks for tuning in and listening to the show coming up we've got our first base positional preview in fantasy we'll knock out first today we'll do second base tomorrow and as the week goes on, we'll have more of that. Can't wait to discuss everything with you guys this fantasy baseball season. But let's get started. I'll start off with Nick Solak of the Texas Rangers, a team that is looking to win more games than they did last year. So that's a good sign because it looks like they may be able to uh, give Solak an opportunity to play a little bit more. Now, let's be honest. They have not gotten production out of that second base position. A lot of weak OBP, a lot of strikeouts. Solak is probably their best hitting prospect. But to be honest with you, I'm more curious about what the Rangers do at first base, too. Seems like they have several holes. Kind of strange on a team moving into a new stadium. They kind of went half in, didn't go all in in free agency. Feels like a 500 team, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. One of the more fascinating fantasy positional uh, situations, I think, throughout the season. We're going to have to keep an eye on this in the month of, in the month of March, no doubt about that. Uh, second trending up, three up, three down. The Houston Astros plunkings, you can bet on this? Are you kidding me? 83 and a half is the total at William Hill. So that's basically we're looking at guys getting hit once every other game are you serious i'm betting the under on this really they're gonna hit these guys 83 and a half times now uh I'll look advanced metrics will tell you that sometimes this could be in the 60s or even the 70s or if in the case of, of specific individual players one guy can get hit 20 times in a season or close to it but i think that <laughs> i'm gonna bet the under on this one my god 83 and a half uh, seems a little bit high for me. And then the other part of the trending up, no doubt about that. Listen, we've got three days of just talking about practice until we get to actual spring training games. I'm looking at uh, Sunday, a little uh, little action, and then hopefully at back at the ballpark uh, next week to do some uh, good interviews for you guys. That's trending up for me this morning. Frank, what you got? Before I jump in, I just want to touch on some of the topics you mentioned here, Craig, and Nick Solak, someone I'm definitely interested in if he can get an opportunity to play center field. My question is, what would that do to Danny Santana, right? Are they going to move Danny Santana over to first base? You're right. This is something to pay attention to. They have Ronald Guzman there. They could put Todd Frazier at first base. They have Greg Bird uh, in spring training as well. So Nick Solak last year in the minors, 289 batting average, 894 OPS with 27 home runs, uh, someone that I'm definitely interested in. And Craig, you got to take the over on the plunkings when it comes to the Astros. There were three teams that went over that number last year. The Astros got hit 66 times. You're telling me they're not going to get hit 18 more times this upcoming season? They're definitely going to go over that number 83 and a half. So just had to touch on that real quick. Uh, I, my first trending up topic here is Victor Robles is to hit leadoff, expected to hit leadoff throughout spring training to build confidence that he can do this in the regular season. Now the question you have to ask following this is, well, what happens with Trey Turner? 
So apparently Trey Turner would move down to the three spot, and we would be looking at a top three in the Nationals order of Robles, Adam Eaton, and Trey Turner. We've seen this before with Ronald Acuna, where when he moved down in the lineup, we saw his stolen base output actually go down. So maybe something similar could happen to Trey Turner, but this is a trending up topic specifically for Victor Robles. If he's leading off for this lineup, you know, 90-plus runs is well within reach, 30-plus stolen bases yeah. well within reach for Victor Robles this up coming season. Trending up topic number two we got here, Craig. Uh, another Craig. Craig Council said yesterday that Ryan Braun and Avisael Garcia will split time in right field. And we'll sp I'll speak about Justin Smoke a little bit later on as part of our first base preview. But this would mean almost everyday playing time for Justin Smoke at first base and obviously in a really good ballpark in Miller Park. A solid lineup. Not nearly as good as it has been the past couple of years. They still have Yelich. They still have Kesson Hira. Uh, but we know that it is a ballpark that is very conducive to left-handed power. Uh, obviously, Justin Smoke is a switch hitter, so I think that would help him out a ton. My last trending up topic here today, Craig, is a Girl Scout troop sets up a cookie booth in front of a Chicago marijuana dispensary. Now, this obviously just makes a ton of sense, uh, and I thought it was a great shout-out because a lot of people are receiving Girl Scout cookies right now. In fact, I just received mine. Uh, I nearly ate half a box of Thin Mints last night, Craig. Are you a big Girl Scout cookie fan, uh, and what do you think of them setting up in front of a dispensary? It makes a ton of sense, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, okay, so so there's a couple of, of things here on the Girl Scout cookies, Frank. And I got to say, you know, you and I have been friends for almost 20 years here. And uh, I'm very disappointed in you, personally, because you could have bought the Girl Scout cookies from my daughter, who is selling Girl Scout cookies. We could have shipped them uh, to New York or New Jersey or wherever studio you would have liked, or even to your house. And you could have really helped me out here, you know. But, of course, you know, you got to buy them from somebody on the street, you know, like you buy the Valentine's Day gifts for your fiancé, just like that. I told you not to do it, and here you are doing it all over again. It's just very disappointing, and, I, and, and quite frankly, it's insulting. I'm sorry, Craig. I bought it from my sister. <laughs> it seems like she kind of takes some precedence over Craig Mish. Although, yeah, yeah you we know, have been friends it, for a long a, time. It, I'm it, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, it's, pro it's probably a bad idea to do, like, a cynical joke when we have a delay. You know, probably a bad idea. It comes off a lot worse. It sounds like I'm really serious. Right. Okay, so I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> All right, uh, so here we go. Uh, let me give you my trending down for the day. Francis Martez. You know, I'm wrong about Francis Martez. Francis Martez, let me give you some backstory here. So uh, he was on the uh, Florida Marlins. Oh, was it the Florida? It may have been the Miami Marlins at the time. And, uh, and the Marlins wanted this guy on Houston, you may remember, Frank, Jared Cozart. So they get Jared Cozart from Houston. They trade over Jake Marisnik and Francis Martez to Houston. And all I'm hearing is, oh, my gosh, the Marlins made a bad trade. They traded this guy Martez. So I'm championing that also, that Martez is going to be so great. This is really disappointing. I thought that he was going to be a major league pitcher. And and he's done, basically. You know, you don't get suspended twice for steroids and survive. So a full season now of not playing in the big leagues, he's probably going to be cut by Houston, end up somewhere else. And once upon a time, a top 30 prospect in their organization. It looks like that's it. Sad. Uh, also trending down, not by the, the Giants. I think they probably made the right call here, but they're going to be celebrating their World Series championship of 2010 and they have decided, because of all of the social media comments made by Aubrey Huff, he is not going to be invited to that celebration. Very rare in this day and age to see that. Usually there's controversy surrounding it, but they still invite the player. They don't let him speak or something like that, but they are just not inviting him at all. 
Now, if you haven't followed Aubrey Huff on Twitter, he does tend to go off on different topics that are somewhat controversial, and some people feel like it could be politically uh, you know, charged. Uh, you know, I don't know that I necessarily see it that way. It's more of his takes on women, and uh, he's had some personal issues in the past, too. Just a sad story all around, but there's no doubt that that's trending down for him personally. Imagine you win a World Series, they have a, a celebration in 10 years, you don't get invited back. Hey, uh, you got to know better, I guess, than to make those kind of comments. And then, yeah, trending down has got to be the, uh, the the cookies here. I mean, uh, my, I'm not even going to tell my daughter that my co-host here on the show bought them from somewhere else. But just so you know, one year from now, the Thin Mints, the Trefoils, the Samoas, we got them all, Frank. We got them all for you. So everybody at Sports Grid, let people know you can buy your Girl Scout cookies from me. And that's what's trending down on this Tuesday. All right, Craig, I just wrote it down in my notes. I'm going to remember for next year. Girl Scout cookies from Craig Mish. I'll order them for the entire Sports Grid company so everyone can munch on them. I will not let you down once again, Craig Mish. Speaking of Craig Mish, you reported yesterday Jonathan VR will likely start in center field, which is not bad news for Jonathan VR, uh, but it is bad news for Lewis Brinson, you know, former top prospect. Uh, the main piece that they got in return for Christian Yelich has not worked out at the major league level. Frankly, he hasn't been great in the minors the past couple of years either, so I see it trending down for Lewis Brinson. Obviously, you know, maybe a name you were looking at in NL only, but outside of that, uh, even in 15 team mixed leagues, you probably weren't looking at Lewis Brinson. I have it trending down for him based on your report regarding Jonathan VR there, Craig Mish. Trending down as well. Here we go. A Wendy's worker makes a TikTok of himself taking a bath in their sink. I just tweeted out the link, and Craig, if you haven't clicked on this link yet in the run now, please check it out. I mean, this kid looks like he's 12 years old. I don't even know how he has a job at Wendy's. Uh, and their bath, I mean, their, uh, their sink in Wendy's it, it, it looks tiny. I don't even know how this guy fits inside of there, but I'm still trying to figure out the TikTok thing. I, I feel like I'm finally starting to become, you know, one of these uh, part of the older generation here, Craig, because I'm trying to figure out new social media, I'm trying to figure out what TikTok is. To my knowledge, it's basically a vine that you can put music over and you have basic video editing concepts as well. So I guess you can kind of flash your creativity and, and try and make a viral video. Uh, in order to do so, this Wendy's worker uh, took a bath in their sink. So, all right. I mean, I guess you got to do it. You got to do it to try and go viral here. Last but not least, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain here, Craig. Apparently, the Mighty Ducks will be the bad guys in their upcoming TV series. They're going to reboot the Mighty Ducks. Uh, Emilio Estevez is going to be in the show as well uh, on Disney Plus here. And Apparently, they're going to be the bad guys. So the main the main character in the story is trying out for the Mighty Ducks, but apparently they've become so good that they can't accept him onto the team. He's not good enough to make the team. So much like Carlos Correa, the Mighty Ducks are now embracing the full heel here, Craig, uh, and they are, uh, they're going the other way. They are now the villains, apparently, on the new upcoming Disney Plus series. Uh, that's my training down topics here today, Craig. What do you think of those? Yeah, I, uh, I, the Wendy's thing is just mortifying. But I, I will agree with you. TikTok is really big. <laughs> and there's a lot of people that feel like it's the next big Snapchat, Twitter type thing. I know my daughter's on there a lot doing these videos. I had it on my phone for a while. But it was like these same videos over and over and over again. Just And I think it's more for 
Uh, you know, the younger crowd. Younger than you crowd, by the way, too, Frank, in my opinion. All right, that's uh, what's trending on 3 Up, 3 Down here on this morning's show. Coming up next, it's time for us to dive into our first base preview in fantasy baseball. Promise that. We're going to deliver that today. I think there's some surprises for you as well. And then we'll hit on Florida Man. We got some really intriguing Florida Man stories, including a guy who prefers to go to jail and not be with his family. You don't believe me? I'll tell you next. DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. All right, welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig and Frank back with you here on the show. Looking forward to chop it up with you guys as we continue on the fantasy baseball season. We'll do some uh, baseball props as we go along during the week as well. And don't forget to catch Frank over on the BFF show later today, along with Greg Sussman. Looking forward to that show. What's on the menu today for you guys? Any good, uh, any good stuff there, Frank? Well, it's definitely going to be fantasy baseball related. I'm sure Greg's going to have his thoughts on Aaron Judge because every year Greg is on Aaron Judge. Surprise, surprise, he is a Yankees fan there. Uh, so I'm sure we're going to dive into some of the news and notes. And we're still trying, we're still coming up with uh, what the main meat of the show is going to be. But I'm sure he's actually here in the sports book somewhere. Uh, I'll meet with him right after the show and uh, we'll figure that out for uh, later on today. But definitely fantasy baseball related. All right, cool. Well, who's uh, Greg's big sleeper this year? Oh, gosh. I mean, I'm sure it's not John Singleton anymore, but <laughs> um, I, I, I got to find that out, man. He keeps asking me questions about Lourdes Gurriel. He's like, we got to talk about Lourdes Gurriel. We got to talk about Lourdes Gurriel. So uh, maybe we'll get some Lourdes Gurriel talk later on today. Uh, it seems like that's someone who he is uh, slightly intrigued by this upcoming season. Toronto Blue Jays, man, their whole lineup is basically just second generation, second, third generation players. It's true. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they they have three guys like that, and then Gurriel, of course, having uh, the brother in the big leagues for sure, and the Blue Jays should be improved, uh, no doubt. I mean, Ryu is a big part of that, no doubt. Um, okay, so let, let's uh, let's start our conversation off with first base in fantasy. Now, uh, this was once upon a time a position where you basically could wait in a draft, in a roto draft especially, and in a 12-team league, you felt like your 12th first baseman was you know, almost as good as your first or second. And, I mean, you could even go back to the Miguel Cabrera, uh, Albert Pujols days. There were just so many players, Adrian Gonzalez, who could play first. If I'm if going back in history, I mean, there were a ton of names, uh, five, six, 10, 15 deep. I don't really see it that way now. I feel like there is some risk involved with everybody basically outside of, I would say, the top four. You and I more or less see the first three differently. And, of course, there's upside there are guys that had career years last year that could potentially change the landscape of what we look at at the position next year. But Frank, I feel like in a 12 or 15 team league, when you're playing with a, a you know, a, you know, one first baseman and then a corner and then a utility, you, you kind of have to make sure that you secure 
one of the top six or seven guys, or you're going to have some risk at that position this year, I think, in the league that I'm doing that right now, and I may end up having some risk too because the top guys are gone. Yeah, absolutely. First base is not nearly the juggernaut that it once was from a fantasy perspective. You have your Cody Bellinger and your Freddie Freeman who are going to be first-round picks, and maybe with Freeman's case, a borderline first-round pick, but I think he deserves to be in that mix. Uh, and yeah, I think you can argue that the the cliff kind of falls off after Josh Bell, who I do have inside of my top 10 as well. Uh, but I actually like to go with the tier approach, so I kind of like make these groupings of rankings. Uh, and basically, my third tier is from 3 through 20. 12, and it goes from Pete Alonso through Miguel Sano, and really I wouldn't mind having any one of those guys as my starting first baseman, but then once you get past that, you really, really get into some guys that have question marks, so I have to agree with you. This position is not nearly the juggernaut that it once was. It feels like just a couple of years ago when we had Votto and Goldschmidt going in the second round that you know we had maybe five, six uh, first basemen alone going in the first two rounds, maybe the first three rounds as well. That is not nearly the case anymore when it comes to the first base position. Craig. Yeah, I, I think that that is a big part of this, and you got to try and lock in, I think, one of the top three guys. If not, there's some risk. Okay, so I have uh, Bellinger, Freeman, Alonzo as my top three going into the year, and you have it the same. So I don't think that we need to spend a ton of time on those three players. Frank and I both view things the same. If you're going into your draft season and you're looking for our advice, that's what we would give you. Um, you have Jose Abreu a lot higher than I do. You have him at four. So let's kind of start there. I have him in my top ten, by the way. But you have him at four, and I have him a little bit later on. And uh, the White Sox basically extended him for a couple of years. They want to keep him there. You know that there is pretty much predictability with him in terms of home runs, in terms of runs driven in. But you have him ahead of players who are obviously younger than him at his position. So why are you higher on Abreu than I am? And I will preface this by saying uh, I like Abreu more so. These are for Roto rankings. If you play in a head-to-head -head points league, then I do agree that Anthony Rizzo should go ahead of him or any type of OBP format just because Rizzo's plate discipline is much better than Jose Abreu. He's going to walk. He's going to get on base a lot more. But outside of that, I don't see many differences between Anthony Rizzo and Jose Abreu. I think they're both going to hit around 285 to 290. Uh, and I, frankly, I think the RBIs are just going to be better for Jose Abreu. Last year led the American League with 123 RBIs. And you can argue that the lineup has gotten better. They have Moncada and Tim Anderson at the top of that lineup. A little more protection with Edwin Encarnacion. Uh, Eloy Jimenez is there. Luis Robert, everyone's excited about. Nick Madrigal is going to join this lineup at some point as well. So again, he led the American League in RBI last year. And uh, I think that the lineup just got better in the offseason as well. Uh, you mentioned the predictability from Jose Abreu, 284 or higher batting average in every season except one. That was in 2018 when he was banged up. He had testicular torsion. I don't think that we have to go into that, but uh, it's, oh. it's obvious that, you know, that, that's a huge issue for him, uh, but uh, he's been very predictable in terms of batting average. Uh, the highest exit velocity of his career last year, 92.1 mile per hour average exit velocity. That was the 94th percentile in all of baseball. Uh, his barrel rate was also the highest of his career at 12.8% as well. Uh, so maybe not as young as some of these other guys on this list, but I think super predictable, and I'm expecting a huge, huge year out of Jose Abreu once again. Okay, so uh, I think that's a good illustration of that. You know, the one thing for me, and especially in a league that you have OBP for whatever reason, 
that number uh, continues to go down for him. Um, you know, 353 back in 2016, uh, slight uptick in 2017, 354, then down to 325 in 2018. 33% you can live with, but I think he's getting a little bit older. And when players get a little bit older, usually that discipline goes away a little bit. So I certainly cannot poke holes at the guy, but if I had to, that's what I would say. Uh, I have Rizzo as my four, and you have him around the same, so we can continue on with him. Uh, Matt Olson had a monster breakout season last year, Frank, and I think that the industry is really not really quite caught up to him because stat-wise – he could end up being the number one first baseman in all of fantasy baseball in the end, but for some reason we still don't even have him in our top three. Why is that? I like Matt Olson a lot as well. I mean, the, the concerns that I have for him is that he struggles against left-handed pitching. Uh, I always look at splits when I'm trying to break down uh, hitters for the upcoming season. It's, it's a reason why I was off Andrew Benintendi last year. So not only does Matt Olson struggle against lefties, he struggles at home in Oco as well. We know that that's more of a pitcher's ballpark as well. But you're absolutely right. I mean, if everything clicks for Matt Olson this upcoming season, I don't see why he can't come close or even exceed what we expect out of Pete Alonso. So I have Pete Alonso ranked as my third first baseman this upcoming season, but I'm not going to own any shares of Pete Alonso because I don't like where he's being drafted. He's going in that second, third round range, and you can get Matt Olson two, three rounds later, and I think that you can get similar production. Last year, when Matt Olson returned in May from his hamate bone injury, 267 batting average, 36 homers, 72 runs, and 91 RBI with an 899. OPS uh, over the final 125 games. The year before, in 2018, he played 162 games. So even if you prorate the stats that he had last year over a 150-game pace, just give him 150 games, that, those numbers would have looked like 43 home runs, 86 runs scored, and 109 RBIs. If you're projecting Pete Alonso this upcoming season, you're probably projecting something similar to that, right? 40 to 45 home runs, 100, 110 RBIs with a you know 260 batting average. That's what I expect out of Matt Olson, and you can get him two to three rounds later. So that's why I won't personally own any Pete Alonso. I like Matt Olson, but I do worry a little bit about those splits, Craig. Yeah, I think that's part of it. But, um, you know, man, I mean, it's just so tempting to take a guy that can probably increase his home run total, total by about three or four, and health is, is a very big key with him as well. Um, okay, the, the uh, you know, kind of rounding out the top 10 for us, uh, Goldschmidt, Muncie, Bell, Abreu, and Mancini for me, you have Olsen, uh, LeMayhew, Goldschmidt, and Bell, uh, and then Max Muncie at the end there. So I'm going to be a lot higher on Max Muncie than you. Do you really think that LeMayhew is going to build or repeat on what he did last year? I think that, look, last year is going to end up being a career year for LeMayhew, but when you look at his stat cast page, Craig, I mean, everything that he did seems incredible and sustainable for the upcoming season. And his approach to right field as well obviously plays very well into Yankee Stadium uh, and leading off for that lineup. I think you can expect him to score 100 runs up again, uh, up, up again this season. And... I think that the power is probably going to come back a little bit. I, if I'm projecting him, I'm probably looking at you know 18 to 20 home runs, but in a, a, a batting average over 300, which you can't say that about really any 
of the first baseman this upcoming season. Maybe outside of Cody Bellinger, maybe Freddie Freeman approaches that. Uh, maybe someone like Yuli Gurriel later on in the draft as well. But I do think LeMahieu's going to hit over 300. That line drive approach, his average exit velocity up last year. The expected batting average was great last year for LeMahieu as well. Uh, so I like him for 20 home runs, over 100 runs scored, uh, probably 70 to 80 RBIs. Not a great mark there. Uh, but it's really the batting average, the runs, and the run score that you want him for. And oftentimes, Craig, I feel like those are categories that are overlooked in fantasy drafts. You're, you're chasing runs. You're chasing batting average later on in your drafts. You can take someone like LeMahieu in that fifth, sixth round range uh, and then get someone else who's going to provide you the power later on. It feels like a lot of those uh, breakout hitters that we like are going to be mainly power hitters this upcoming season, and you can pair one of those guys with DJ LeMahieu. All right, and uh, just outside his top ten for Frank, Reese Hoskins. We'll talk about him a little bit later in the show. We'll talk some sleepers as well. Florida Man is next. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford. And now it's time on Fantasy Sports Today to see what's going on in the Sunshine State with Florida Man. All right, welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. We break from our little fantasy discussion to do a little... Florida man discussion. And Frank, are you ready to be shocked, mortified, happy, thrilled, upset? What are the range of emotions that you're going through right now? Oh, all of those. All of the above when it comes to Florida, man. Never know what you're going to get. Life is like a box of chocolates, especially when it comes to Florida, man. Uh, I'm excited here, Craig. Let's do it. Let's jump in. All right, here we go. Story number one. Uh, witnesses report to police that in an attempt to get away... Uh, a suspect wriggled out of his clothes and got naked as meat packs began to fall out of his pants. That's right. A shoplifter trying to get away from a Deland store stripped naked and stakes tumbled out of his pants, police said. Police found the man running out of the store in the buff, and when he refused to stop, officers then, of course, shot him with that taser. The incident occurred last Friday at a Save-A-Lot. Officers were dispatched to the store. And they found that he was being pinned to the ground by a manager and a civilian. But, man, he was fighting back. Witnesses said that in an attempt to get away, he just got out of his clothes. He stole four packs of ribeye steaks that were valued at 41 bucks. He was charged with resisting arrest without violence, uh, resisting a store employee while committing a theft and a first-degree petty theft. He remained in jail uh, without bail in Volusia County uh, Jail. But, uh, look, I mean, Frank, sometimes you got to get your steak. Uh, but the only way to get it is to get naked. And so naked and steak going hand in hand in this case in the state of Florida. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me there. Uh, I hope that you enjoy your steak with clothes on here, Craig. Uh, my favorite part of the story was the last sentence. Short was taken to the hospital after it was discovered that the taser prong that struck him uh, was in the genitals. So uh, that reminded me of uh, the hangover. 
Uh, so that was what stood out to me most here of this story. Craig, are you a big steak guy? What kind of steak do you like? How do you like your steak cooked? I, I remember in the month of January, I was not eating carbs, uh, but I could eat a lot of meat and vegetables. I went out to a steakhouse uh, and I had a little filet mignon, a little uh, little New York strip. I'm, I'm a medium well kind of guy. How do you like your steak, Craig? If you like steak, no assumptions here on the show. I'm a medium guy. I like it a little pink. Uh you know, the thing is, is, is it's interesting because when I go to dinner with my wife and we both will we'll, you'll definitely have no issue buying steak. She likes it very plain, but she likes it well done, Frank. And what happens is, I don't know why, but when we go to these restaurants, oh, gosh. Be, because she likes it well done, they tend to make mine more well done. I don't like because she's so you know emphatic about it. I want it well done. I want it well done, and then I get mine, and mine's well done. And then you know their answer is always, "Well, she oh we got it mixed up because she said so well done." It's like oh every time this ends up happening. But I'm a medium. I'm usually a medium, but not, never never rare, but never well done either. If that makes some sense. Yeah, Craig. I think you're gonna have to take some forcible action on anybody who. Uh cooks your steak well done uh, instead of medium, even if your wife does it. Like, how, how can you mess that up? It's like two people ordering two different sandwiches and being like, oh, well, I got them mixed up. I put some of her sandwich on your sandwich. Like, no, that doesn't make sense. I ordered a steak one way. She ordered a steak another way. Like, <laughs> come on, man. We're going to see Craig Mish on the yep. next Florida Man. Craig Mish beats up uh, Applebee's employee because he didn't uh, create his steak the right way. And I wouldn't blame you. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be at Applebee's, Frank, but you're right. It could be along those lines. All right. An alleged drunk <laughs> driver in Florida initially declined a breathalyzer test. He told the deputy that you didn't pull me over. I pulled you over, a report said. How about this? Juan Zamora, 63-year-old, gave the puzzling response after flashing his headlights at a Marion County deputy squad car in Ocala in order to ask for directions to an auto parts store. The deputies, well, they stopped and smelled alcohol coming from him as he asked the question. The driver, who had a 15-year-old passenger, by the way, was also uh, had bloodshot eyes. He admitted doing a couple of shots of bourbon earlier in the day, and when he took the breathalyzer test, he was above Florida's .8 legal limit. Authorities later, of course, found a bottle of whiskey in the car and a white substance which tested positive for, yeah, cocaine. Uh, he was charged with DUI and cocaine possession. So Florida man, essentially, Frank, getting arrested, uh, asking for directions, and uh, being, uh, you know, drunk and having cocaine in the car. Next time, maybe just use a GPS. First and foremost, uh, drunk driving is no laughing matter here, Craig. I had to get that off it my chest uh, to start, okay. start this off. But... This is, I mean, look, you got to, this is just, you didn't pull me over, I pulled you over. I mean, that's got to be the best part of it, right? I mean, he, he basically says, no, I'm not, I'm not, you know, blowing into a breathalyzer. I, I, I wasn't stopped. I stopped you. So I guess I give him credit for that. And, uh, you know, later on in the, in the article, you mentioned the, the white substance, which later was uh, tested positive for cocaine. Uh, it's like, does it ever test positive for anything else? I feel like any other white substance that ever comes out of any of these stories always ends up testing positive uh, for cocaine. And, you know, I've seen a lot of these Florida man uh, pictures, these mug shots. This is... This is up there with, with, with one of the more disturbing ones. This person kind of looks like a former wrestler. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, I, I would agree. You know, sometimes, you know, if you tested the white substance in my house, baking soda would be the one. Baking soda is very prominent in my house. Did you know, Frank, that baking soda is really good for a lot of different things, like little household things? You know, people don't know that. We have a lot of baking soda around. I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, I... <laughs> 
Look I'm it up. Look it up. It, whether, it, all right. Well, at this point, I got to reveal it on things. air. Right, yeah. So I, I'm kind of coming to that conclusion myself. I was debating whether I should reveal this on air, but I've already, you know, whatever. I've come this far. Uh, and you know, I do sleep with a retainer still. Ha ha. The joke's on you, Frank, you nerd. But I did have braces, and I had to sleep with a retainer at night. And one way that you clean the retainer is you put it in hot water with baking soda. And apparently, you know, that gets... Yeah the job done but if you have any other baking soda tips and tricks that you can lend my way Craig feel free because uh, I am really just kind of uh, discovering the world that is uh, baking soda and how much use it can be yeah yeah and uh, you know maybe if they took some baking soda and you know spread it around uh, you know this show it would you know it would be a better show could possibly be all right uh, final story I think this is the final story a man accused of trespassing near Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, told police that he'd rather go to jail than go see his parents. Palm Beach police arrested 38-year-old Alan Cox for trespassing after a warning on Thursday. Now, according to the arrest report, Palm Beach detective called about a suspicious man at a Mar-a-Lago property around 4.30 a.m. The caller told police that the man was approximately in his 30s or 40s wearing a black long sleeve shirt, blah, blah, blah. When police, police arrived, they found a man walking westbound on Southern Boulevard who matched the description given by the detective. And while talking uh, to police, after giving his Miranda rights, Cox said that he was sleeping in between the trees and the privacy wall so he would be safe, according to the report. And when police decided that he would rather be safe, they took him uh, to jail. He did not want to sleep in his own house and did not want to be with his own parents. A very bizarre end to another Florida man story in this one. Yeah, this sounds like an episode of Dr. Phil, uh, if I've ever seen one here, Craig. And I know you know, last week you were hanging out with your in-laws. Now, I don't want to get you in trouble. The, the wife might be listening or watching uh, wherever she I is. I doubt it. But, you know, have you... Have you have you ever have you ever felt this way about the in-laws? <laughs> You'd rather get arrested than, than hang out with the in-laws, Craig? Because I could see that you know being what? like a Not more legitimate quite. story than just your actual parents, you know? Yeah, no, no. I I think that all things considered, as it when people have issues with their in-laws, all things considered, with me, I think that we're all pretty good. My my big issue with it is that I have like a uh, expiration date, a uh, time on the time that I will allow it. That, that's the only thing for me. Like when we get Frank into like the four hour window there, I I will make up some excuse. Oh yeah, that's way of, too much. Of some kind and just say that I gotta go. And no, no, my my their on their side they will just they will never leave each other. You know they'll they'll spend all night if it has to be. So I'll find something a live stream a a fantasy draft a podcast a a call you know with Mike Cardano some I'll just come up with something. Um, it's not very easy to prove, but at the end of the day, I usually after like the three hour mark, I'm like, you know, I'm done. I got Oh, you know what I used to use? Oh, I got to watch this game. I got to talk about it on the radio tomorrow. And you, everyone would just shake their head. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I would get out of there. That would be it. Craig, if you ever have to call me to escape, you know, hanging out with your in-laws or if you want to do an early draft, I know that you love early drafting, Craig. Feel free, man. I mean, my door is open. My, my phone is on. I'm ready to talk, text, draft, whatever you want to do, Craig. I'm here for you, buddy. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. By the way, there was one quick other Florida man story, but I eliminated it because it was a good Florida man story. And we only like bad Florida man stories. But in this one, a Florida man uh, won the $2 million top prize from a $10 scratch-off uh, Florida lottery. You know, this never happens to anybody I know. 
Uh, somehow there, there's all these stories about people winning the lottery. I'm sure there is in New York too, but in Florida too. I don't ever. I've never met anybody who's won a lot of money in the lottery. Frank, have you ever met anyone that's gotten a scratch-off ticket that's won more than like five bucks? I've seen a few people win like fifty, maybe a hundred bucks. Um, but never something like this, never like a, a grand prize, $2 million, you know, cash word scratch off game. I actually played a, uh, a cash, cash word scratch off this past weekend. You know, you have to match up the letters and, and try and fill out as many words as you possibly can. Craig, I didn't even get a single word. I didn't get, like, you, you need, the minimum is like three words. You need three words to get back like five bucks, let's say, for example. I didn't even get one word. I mean, that's why I've never really done the scratch-off thing. I've just never really had success. I'm sure mo most people don't. Uh, but especially me, uh, I, I thought this was interesting because this person won $2 million. Uh, I couldn't even can complete a single word here, Craig. Are you a big scratch-off guy? No, I am not. I'm not a big lottery guy. Just try to, you know. Well, instead, you, should, gonna, be, uh, I, you I, should be I, wagering your money on the over on the uh, Astros hit by pitches. I did. I you know what? I'm about to make a pretty big uh, bet on one of the ML, MLB props. When it's done, I'll let you know. I don't. I don't want to, to change the line on me. All right. Uh, hour number two is straight ahead. More fantasy sports today coming up next, and we'll also have some first base sleeper options for you. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.